We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go. Episode 269 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, March 11th, 2022. It is 311 day. 311, one of my all time favorite groups. So happy 311 day if you're a 311 fan like me. One of the best concerts that I ever attended was a 311 Cypress Hill show at Jiffy Lube Live in Virginia. Anyway, good to have you with us. Hey, the Major League Baseball lockout finally is over. Hey, thanks, guys. Hope that wasn't too hard. Uh, You know, I spent very little time on this podcast discussing the MLB lockout because the truth is there just wasn't that much interest in the intricacies of the MLB lockout. People just wanted the lockout to be over. And now, thankfully, the lockout is over. Uh, It started on December 2nd. It ended on March 10th, uh, second longest work stoppage in baseball history. And that's saying something because baseball has had a number of work stoppages over the years, although this work stoppage was the first work stoppage in baseball in quite a while, was the first one since the infamous 1994-1995 player strike. Uh, The specifics of what now aren't definite, but suffice it to say, there's going to be a mad rush uh, for teams to sign players as spring training camps are beginning, and the regular season will get going, it looks like, in about a month. And yes, the regular season will be a 162-game season. And that cracks me up, because for all of the announcements that MLB had canceled regular season games, it turns out now that a full 162-game season is going to be played. And if you followed the lockout as it went on, it always felt like a 162-game regular season would be played. This lockout was so full of empty threats and empty declarations. Do you know how many times in this lockout, like, negotiating deadlines got pushed back? It felt like that happened about 100 times in this lockout. Oh, we need to have a deal done by 5 p.m. today. If we don't have a deal done by 5 p.m. today, that's it. And then you would get to 5 p.m. Oh, no, wait, they're negotiating well into the night. Okay, well, then so much for that deadline, you know? And with the games, we twice 
had a big deal made of MLB supposedly canceling chunks of the early portion of the regular season, and yet it turns out that those cancellations meant nothing, meant zero, as we are getting a full 162-game regular season. It just all makes me laugh. So much of this labor stuff is posturing and fluff, and people don't have time for this garbage, okay? I mean, nobody wants to hear about this stuff with everything going on in our world right now. The other thing that cracks me up about this lockout is that the issues that kept the lockout going really weren't that big of a deal, okay? The competitive balance tax, the international draft, Okay. I mean, these were always very workable topics. It's not like the owners were seeking a salary cap, and it's not like the players even ended up truly seeking lessening how long teams have control over players before they hit free agency. You know, we thought that that would be a big item of contention in these labor negotiations. It turns out that that item faded a while ago. Like, again, if you followed the intricacies of the lockout, you were like, why is this taking so long? So baseball is back. Although I have to say, baseball is back with some awful news. Did you see this? Former Nationals pitcher Odalis Perez has died. Uh, He died after an apparent accident at his home in the Dominican Republic on Thursday night. It appears that he fell from a ladder While he was alone at his house, uh, Odalis Perez was just 44. Odalis Perez was the Nats' starting pitcher in their first ever regular season game at Nationals Park. Uh, Just terrible news. Uh, Anyway, uh, I'm not expecting that much activity from our rebuilding Nationals and Orioles in this free agent frenzy, but the Nats and Doe's do have to field teams this coming season, so the Nats and Doe's will be making some moves. Speaking of moves, uh, as you may have heard, our commanders are making a big move. They are trading for Indianapolis Colts quarterback Carson Wentz. Uh, Many of us are not thrilled with this trade. I have to be honest with you, though, I on Thursday was watching Carson Wentz highlights from this past season, trying to make myself happier about this trade, trying to work myself into thinking, you know what, maybe just maybe this Carson Wentz thing can work out in fine fashion. Uh, What bothers me about the trade, and I know what bothers so many of you about the trade, is why the Colts are dumping Carson Wentz after just one season. What exactly happened between Wentz and the Colts? Well, we're going to find out. Uh, A special guest is coming up, Bob Kravitz, senior writer for The Athletic. Few people know sports in Indianapolis like Bob does. He's going to give us the truth about Carson Wentz and the Colts and what exactly the commanders are getting in Carson Wentz. Uh, By the way, we on Thursday had an update on the terms of the trade. It turns out that the Commanders are getting back an extra draft pick in the trade, a 2022 seventh-round pick. Also on the show, next segment, in fact, I'll discuss two developments with the Commanders on Thursday. They will be releasing Landon Collins, and they will be non-tendering Kyle Allen. Uh, Neither item is shocking, but each item is notable. I'm going to discuss what went wrong for Landon with Washington and the fall of Kyle over the last 12 months with Washington coming up in just a bit. And we have lots of college basketball to get into. Conference tournament week, Maryland, Virginia, 
and Virginia Tech all in action on Thursday evening. The number 10-seeded Terrapins lost to number 7-seeded Michigan State, 76-72, in the second round of the Big Ten Tournament at Gainbridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. The number 6-seeded Cavaliers lost to number 3-seeded North Carolina, 63-43, in the quarters of the ACC Tournament at Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. The Cavs scored 13 points in the first half on Thursday night, but the number 7-seeded Hokies won. They beat number 2-seeded Notre Dame, 87-80 87-80 in the quarters of the ACC tournament. Tech has advanced to the semis of an ACC tournament for the first time since 2011. And the Hokies may well be earning themselves a spot in the NCAA tournament. Lots of college basketball talk later in the show. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com, including if you would like to sponsor the Al Galdi podcast, if you would like to advertise on the Al Galdi podcast, if you would like to generate revenue for your business or practice like never before, put the power of the pod to work for you. Podcast advertising works. Podcast advertising is very affordable. And podcast advertising very much gives you a bang for your buck. Hit us up. See what we can do for you. Again, the email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Orion. Writes Orion, love your pod. I get my 10-year-old son every other weekend, and we listen to you every Friday evening, usually during our drive from the airport. It's cool when after we catch up for a bit, he goes, so dad, want to listen to Goldie? Jeez, thank you for that. Uh, Continues Orion. Was wondering if you wouldn't mind giving him a hello. His name is Joel And he's a huge Redskins slash WFT slash Commanders and Wizards fan. He and I will be doing a mock draft this weekend. And I can't wait to argue back and forth with him over who will be a star versus who will be a bust. A question for you. Do you think Trevor Lawrence has or hasn't been a bust so far? Joel says yes. I say no. Would love for you to settle our debate at least for this point in time. And same question about Jamin Davis. Bust or no, thanks for the show, Al. Well, thank you, Orion. Uh, So, Joel, I do respect how harsh of a critic you are. You have a bright future in sports talk. But neither Trevor Lawrence nor Jamin Davis can be classified as a bust. Uh, Not yet. You got to give each guy at least a few years, like two or three years. And if those guys are still disappointing after two or three years, then yes, we can start to talk about them uh, as bust. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have concerns about those guys already, as we do with Jamin Davis, but it's too early to call him or Trevor Lawrence a bust. However, Joel, uh, I do not want you to take any grief from your dad, all right? I want you during this mock draft this weekend to put him in his place, okay? So when it comes to the mock draft this weekend, you are Bobby Bethard, all right? Uh, You probably know who that is, given that you're a good sports fan, but in case you don't, uh, ask your dad. Uh, The feedback on the commander's trading for Carson Wentz continues to pour in. I may have to get a second Twitter account and another email account just to handle uh, all of this Carson Wentz feedback. Email from Brad Farnsworth on my Carson Wentz breakdown on Thursday's show, episode 268, writes Brad, listening to the podcast Thursday morning, each red flag hit harder the more you talked about it. I wanted no part of them before the trade happened, and it was only dread when it came across the wire. But taking a step back, this trade is so bad, it might just work. I think many of us are more concerned about the the off-the-field stuff than the the on-the-field stuff. 
But you made a great point talking upside and volume. You drop his numbers from last year, big if, but possible, onto the commanders. They are a better team. I love Tay-Tay and what he brings, but I love it from the number two spot. If a QB the commanders like falls to number 11 and they like his upside, they should take him. The cap stuff, from what I've read, fans of the media are always way more concerned about the cap stuff than teams are. So this year's cap number is not concerning, and it has already started being addressed with the Landon Collins cut. And if Carson performs well, and there are no issues in the locker room, you could be looking at a 49ers-like situation in which the QB in waiting has been coached up a bit, and you maybe even get something in return for Carson trading him to another QB needy team. At the end of the day, if Carson puts up decent numbers, there are always QB needy teams. You could claw back some value. So as long as as this isn't high fives and backslaps for a job well done, maybe this is the best situation that we could have hoped for given the actual market for the commanders. You made me believe there is a chance. So thank you. Well, Brad, thank you. I love it. My man Brad has gone from hating the Carson Wentz trade to now having the commanders as the 49ers of 2019 and 2021, and then trading Wentz next offseason for a nice haul. Brad, that is quite the turnaround by you. If only the commanders could turn around their on-the-field product the way that you have turned around your outlook on the trade. Uh, Well done. Email from Aaron, writes Aaron, Dear Al, I know a lot of people are ticked off about Carson Wentz, and frankly, I'm not too pleased either, but I'd like to highlight one person who is likely celebrating. Taylor Tay-Tay Heineke. Wentz deserves every bit of scrutiny that he has gotten so far. The argument that he doesn't deserve another chance as a starter in the NFL holds a lot of water. But the fact is, he's getting another shot with the commanders. And having said that, the only possible option is to have it be an open competition for the quarterback room in training camp. The trade of Carson Wentz should light a fire like none other under Taylor Heineke. If Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers had come to D.C., Taylor would know that him being the team's starting quarterback would be over. But Wentz, Taylor has a real chance to take that job from Wentz. I think that this trade also likely means either the front office thinks the quarterbacks in the 2022 NFL draft are really bad or that the team's guy won't be there at 11. So now it's on to a skill position pick at number 11. Cornerback, wideout, guard, linebacker. The fact here is the commanders swung hard, missed, and still can have an improved roster. Well, thank you for the email, Aaron. You know, you may be right that the commanders trading for Carson Wentz means that the commanders do not like any of the quarterbacks in the 2022 draft, but I also think that it's quite possible that the trade is more about Ron Rivera wanting more options and wanting more certainty at quarterback for the upcoming season, which he, of course, has admitted is one in which the commanders need to take a step forward. And I know that associating Carson Wentz with certainty may seem odd, but he is a known commodity. And especially if Ron likes one or more of the quarterbacks in the draft, but just feels like whomever he might take would need to sit for a year, then getting a veteran quarterback this offseason does make sense. Now, whether that guy should have been Wentz is another conversation, but 
Uh, I have advocated for a commander's quarterback approach this offseason of volume and upside. Acquire multiple guys, i.e. a veteran and a rookie, and acquire guys with upside, i.e. guys with maybe some risk, but guys who, if they hit, could hit in spectacular fashion. I don't think it's unreasonable to say if Carson Wentz hits, and that's a big if, but if Carson Wentz hits, he could hit quite nicely. I also think this, though. Ron Rivera traded for Carson Wentz out of desperation slash fear. You know, Ron has been telling anyone who will listen that the commanders this offseason are all in on trying to get a franchise quarterback and are a very attractive destination for a franchise quarterback. And as the options were dwindling to where it was starting to look like even Mitchell Trubisky might say no to the commanders, Ron in this uh, quarterback game of musical chairs did not want to be left standing. And I think that there was a real concern that he might be left standing. And the commanders might have nothing to show for all of this talk about wanting to get a franchise quarterback and all of this talk for the commanders being an attractive destination for a franchise quarterback. And so Ron agreed on this trade for Wentz. I mean, it's not a coincidence that we on Tuesday had the breaking news of the Seattle Seahawks having agreed to trade Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. And then we on Wednesday got the breaking news of the commanders having agreed on a trade for Carson Wentz. And so Ron is getting himself Wentz, even though the commanders may well be overpaying for Wentz. Email from Holly in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Writes Holly, Hi Al, great show as always. Love the show numbering and the theme song. Don't hate the name Commanders, but I miss our old name. You know we have royalty in our midst. Wentz looks like Prince Harry. We'll give him one year before we dethrone him and exile him, or he'll face the guillotine. Don Ron better be right, or he'll be exiled as well. Sad to say, but I'm hoping for the best and anticipating the worst. Every year is the same. Fans are like Pavlov's dogs. We are conditioned for failure when we get a new QB. Anyway, love the show and keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much for that, Holly. Uh, I tell you what, if Carson Wentz is Prince Harry, then I guess the Colts management is the rest of the royal family, right? Because the rest of the royal family is not getting along with Prince Harry these days, at least as I understand things. Uh, I don't think the royal family doesn't like his wife, right? Meghan Markle uh, either. I tell you, Jim Ursay is Queen Elizabeth. Frank Reich is Prince William, kind of caught in the middle, right? Prince William is caught in the middle between this feud of uh, Prince Harry versus the royal family. Actually, this royal family analogy uh, works pretty well. Well, if the royal family is as smart uh, as the royal family is privileged, uh, then it, with whatever legal problems that the family has, should contact Paulson and Nace. You like that transition? If you have a case, you should contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace handles complex personal injury, medical negligence, and wrongful death cases. If you have been injured through no fault of your own, if your family has suffered death due to medical negligence, contact Paulson and NACE. Paulson and NACE fights for the rights and futures of victims and their families throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and NACE has a skilled team of personal injury, birth injury, and medical malpractice trial attorneys that puts your best interests first. Paulson and NACE has decades of experience trying cases to jury verdicts and fighting 
for those injured through no fault of their own. Chris Nace is a past president of the D.C. Trial Lawyers. Matt Nace is a member of the board of the D.C. Trial Lawyers. Look, I've known the Naces for 25 plus years. These are good people and smart people who are excellent at what they do. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. And Paulson and Nace understands that when you are injured because of someone else's negligence, you may experience feelings of anger, anxiety, frustration. Choosing the right law firm to help you can be overwhelming. How do you know whom to trust? How do you know that you'll be protected? Well, it's simple. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel as if you've been wronged, if you have a complex personal injury, medical negligence, or wrongful death case, or you think that you may have one but aren't sure, Call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Schedule a no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family. All right, so the day after we had the mega news of our commanders agreeing on the trade for Indianapolis Colts quarterback Carson Wentz, we had more commanders news. Uh, Nothing as grand as the trade for Wentz, but a few items worth discussing. So as you likely know, NFL teams are getting things in order as free agency, the trading period, and the new league year all will begin next week. Uh, This Monday, March 14th at noon Eastern will mark the start of the NFL's legal tampering period, which is truly when free agency begins. And then this Wednesday, March 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern will mark the start of the NFL's new league year, meaning that free agent signings of players with expiring contracts can begin and trades can become official. Uh, Also, the start of the new league year is when teams must be in adherence to the salary cap. Speaking of the cap, uh, we on Thursday morning learned that the commanders will be releasing uh, safety slash linebacker slash Buffalo nickel slash downhill player slash just don't call him a linebacker, Landon Collins. You got to be careful when you identify the position that Landon Collins plays. He's very sensitive when it comes to the position that he plays. Uh, that the news that the commanders are releasing Landon Collins broke the day after the news that the commanders are trading for Carson Wentz broke, of course, is not a coincidence. Uh, Wentz's 2022 salary cap hit is $28.29 million. Unless there's a renegotiation with Wentz, he is going to be eating up a lot of the commander's salary cap space for the 2022 season. And so the commanders needed to create cap space. Uh, We knew that the commanders were trying to renegotiate the terms of Landon's contract. Commanders insider Ben Standing of the Athletic DC had reported on that. He talked about that with me on Thursday's show, episode 268. Uh, Well, the renegotiation only went so far, uh, said Landon to Josina Anderson of CBS Sports HQ on Thursday. Quote, they asked me to take a pay cut The first one was fine. Then they asked me to take another one. The money changed after they signed Carson Wentz. I'll just take my chances in free agency 
End quote. Uh, of course, the commanders are not signing Carson Wentz. The commanders are trading for Carson Wentz, but we get the idea. You know, reading what Landon said to Josina, that sounds like Landon had actually already agreed to take a pay cut. And then the commanders, after agreeing on the trade for Wentz, came back to Landon and asked him to take a second pay cut. And Landon wasn't doing that. Uh, as Homie the Clown used to say on In Living Color, Homie, don't play that. Landon don't play that. And you know what? That's fine. I mean, I, I don't like hate Landon Collins for not agreeing to take a second pay cut. Uh, we talked about with Ben how Landon is a prideful guy. I mean, as we just mentioned, he doesn't even like being called a linebacker. Uh, so the idea of him agreeing to two pay cuts was probably far-fetched. Honestly, I'm totally fine with the commanders releasing Landon Collins. I actually think that there's a really good chance that the commanders would have released Landon this offseason, even if the commanders had not agreed on this trade for Carson Wentz. Uh, I thought going back to the 2020 season that Landon Collins was looking at being released after the 2021 season. We had always eyed the 2022 offseason as the first offseason in which the team now known as the Commanders could realistically cut Landon Collins because now is a time in which you can cut Landon Collins and, you know, it is palatable from a salary cap standpoint. And while Landon Collins was better as this past season went on, he was never good enough to justify his contract. So a few thoughts on Landon Collins' time with Washington. You do have to start with the contract. Uh, Washington, in March 2019, signed Landon Collins as an unrestricted free agent to a six-year, $84 million contract. Uh, The deal included $31 million fully guaranteed and featured a $14 million average annual value of $14 million AAV. Uh, that was a whopper of a contract. Uh, Landon Collins, throughout his three seasons with Washington, was one of the highest paid safeties in the NFL. Heck, he was one of the highest paid defensive backs in the NFL. The problem is that he didn't play like one of the highest paid safeties in the NFL. He did not produce like one of the highest paid safeties in the NFL. One of the biggest lessons of the Landon Collins fail with Washington to me is that paying big money to a player who doesn't positively impact your passing game or negatively impact opponents' passing games is the wrong way to go in the modern NFL. In this pass-happy NFL, if you're paying big money to someone, that someone better be someone who is either positively impacting your passing game or negatively impacting opponents' passing games. And Landon Collins did not negatively impact opponents' passing games enough. And that does bring us to Dave Gettleman. As painful as it is to admit, Dave Gettleman was proven right on Landon Collins. Then New York Giants general manager Dave Gettleman opted not to franchise tag Landon Collins in the 2019 offseason. That's why Landon Collins was an unrestricted free agent. The Giants could have franchise tagged Landon. The Giants chose not to franchise tag Landon. And Gettleman did this in no small part because of Landon not being very good in pass coverage. ESPN Giants insider Jordan Ranon on March 5th, 2019 tweeted that for the Giants, quote, investing big money in a box safety was not what they wanted to do, particularly Dave Gettleman, end quote. 
And it turns out that Dave Gettleman was right. Now, let me be clear. I was wrong. I was in favor of Washington signing Landon Collins. Uh, Landon, at the time of the 2019 offseason, was young. He was entering just his age 25 season. He had been durable. And he overall had been a quality player. His work in pass coverage had been mixed, but his work in pass coverage also had not been, like, atrocious. Uh, Landon, for Pro Football Focus's coverage grades, was bad in coverage in the 2015 and 2018 seasons, but he was actually pretty good in coverage in the 2016 and 2017 seasons. So I, in March 2019, was very much on board with Washington signing Landon Collins. Uh, More wrong, I could not have been. Dave Gettleman's assessment of Landon Collins proved to be correct. You know, Gettleman was a failure as Giants GM, but he was proven right on Landon Collins, just as Gettleman during his time as Carolina Panthers GM with, yes, Ron Rivera as head coach, ultimately was proven right on corner Josh Norman. Remember, Gettleman in April 2016 rescinded a franchise tag on Norman, allowing for Norman to become an unrestricted free agent and allowing for Norman to sign a big money contract with, yes, Washington in another big money deal that did not work out for Washington. The bottom line is that Landon Collins just was not a good player for Washington. I mean, this isn't complicated. He played for the team for three seasons, 2019 through 2021. Landon in the 2019 regular season played in 15 games for Washington, registered an overall grade for pro football focus of just 69.3. That was his worst overall grade for PFF since his 2015 rookie season. Landon then had a nightmare of a 2020 season. He in the 2020 regular season played in just seven games due to a ruptured Achilles tendon that he suffered in a 25-3 win over the Dallas Cowboys at a rainy FedEx field in week seven. Landon for the 2020 regular season registered an overall grade for pro football focus of just 60. And Landon in the 2020 regular season, it was a terrible tackler. Uh, Landon for the 2020 regular season per sport radar totaled nine missed tackles, tying him for the fourth most missed tackles on Washington despite him playing in just seven games. I mean, think about that. Landon Collins in the 2020 regular season played in just seven of Washington's 16 games, and yet he ended up tying for the fourth most missed tackles on Washington. Landon Collins missed nine tackles over Washington's first four games of the 2020 regular season. So forget about Landon's struggles in pass coverage. Landon in 2020 regressed as an in the box safety. He regressed as a tackler. Although what's funny about Landon getting hurt in that win over the Cowboys in week seven of the 2020 regular season is that the game was by far his best game of the 2020 regular season. Landon was playing like a madman in that game. And then he suffered the Achilles injury. But if you remember that game, the Cowboys' first offensive drive resulted in a first quarter safety thanks to a Landon Collins third and eight sack strip of Andy Dalton. Uh, the ball was recovered by tight end Dalton Schultz, who then was tackled in the end zone by Jonathan Allen. But Landon on that play blew by Schultz on a blitz for the sack and then did a beautiful job of chopping the ball with his right arm out of Dalton's right hand. So Landon suffers this Achilles injury. He seemingly is looking good in 2021 training camp and in the 2021 preseason. And there was actually a decent amount of optimism with Landon Collins going into the 2021 regular season, but things did not go well for Landon Collins, certainly early in the 2021 
regular season. First of all, Landon in the 2021 regular season played in just 13 games due to a foot injury. So notice he wasn't durable over his final two seasons with Washington. Landon in the 2021 regular season struggled mightily in pass coverage, then was shifted to what Ron Rivera called a Buffalo nickel roll, in which Landon was better, but he still for the 2021 regular season registered an overall grade for pro football focus of just 54.7. Landon Collins seemed like a good dude, but the production just wasn't there. Uh, By the way, the Buffalo nickel thing will always be so funny to me. So Ron Rivera at a post-practice press conference this past October 20th said of Landon, quote, he's a downhill attacking style of player, and we've got to make sure we're putting him in position to have success for us end quote. And then Ron later in the presser said of Landon, quote, we really believe he's a downhill player, end quote. And this stuff from Ron highlighted a shift in how Landon was being deployed by Washington. He went from being a safety to more of a safety linebacker hybrid. Now, Landon being more of a safety linebacker hybrid had come up for a while. If you remember, there's a lot of conversation last offseason about Landon Collins potentially making a move to linebacker or at the very least being utilized in more of a linebacker-like way. But for whatever reason, Landon Collins over, say, the first half of Washington's 2021 regular season was playing mostly safety. And to me, that is not a good look for not just Landon Collins, but also Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. Why wasn't Landon playing this Buffalo nickel role for the entirety of this past season? Why did it take until midseason, more or less, for this change to be made when we have known for years that Landon Collins is a guy who isn't at his best in pass coverage? Well, maybe, just maybe, a reason for that is that Landon Collins didn't like playing linebacker, didn't like being called a linebacker. You know, Ron at one point jokingly asked media members to not call Landon a linebacker. Uh, Landon, in a post-practice press conference this past October 21st, said that he had, in fact, been playing more linebacker and wasn't necessarily a fan. Quote, do I like playing linebacker? No, not at all. I don't like hitting big linemen, getting big linemen off me. I'm undersized for being a linebacker. I don't want to play down there, but if need to, yeah, I'm good at it. End quote. Uh, (laughs) I don't know that I've ever seen someone as not wanting to be used in a different way, as not wanting to be labeled in a different way as Landon Collins was. It's just funny to me because do you know how many guys in the NFL these days are labeled as playing one position, but in fact play multiple positions? I mean, these days you have so many tight ends and running backs lining up as receivers. You have so many receivers being used as running backs. You have so many corners playing safety and vice versa. The NFL more and more is becoming a positionless league. Not that the league will ever literally be positionless. You're always going to have positions, but the lines are blurring between certain positions. Washington was paying Landon Collins $14 million per year. Hey, if the team wants to call you a linebacker, the team is allowed to call you a linebacker. Uh, Now, Landon was better in his Buffalo nickel role. Uh, He was, and I give him credit for that. But the improvement only went so far. Like, he still was not worth close to what he was being paid. I did not want Landon being back with the team on his original contract with the team, okay? The only way that you could reasonably justify Landon being back for the 2022 season with the team was him being on a renegotiated contract. But the fact that the commanders are releasing Landon Collins, to me, 
is just fine, okay? His production in that Buffalo nickel role can be duplicated. And if the commanders can't find someone to duplicate that production, then that's an indictment of the commanders. That's not an indictment of cutting Landon Collins. Again, Landon's not a bad guy. I mean, he seemed to be liked by his teammates, but he did not live up to that contract. And the reality is that Landon Collins joins a lengthy list of failed big money free agent acquisitions for the team now known as the Commanders since modern free agency began starting with the 1993 offseason. I mean, this isn't on the Albert Hainsworth level, but this is a failed big money free agent acquisition by the team now known as as the Commanders. Also on Thursday, uh, Thursday afternoon, multiple reports that the Commanders will be non-tendering Kyle Allen, meaning that he will become an unrestricted free agent as opposed to a restricted free agent. So Kyle Allen seemingly is done as a member of the team now known as the Commanders. Uh, I don't think that anybody is surprised by that, but That is notable. Uh, Kyle Allen in the 2021 regular season played in just two games and played on just 37 of Washington's offensive snaps. Ron Rivera did not play Kyle at all over Washington's final two regular season games, despite so much talk, as you may recall, uh, in the week between the 56-14 loss at the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football in Week 16 and the 2016 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field in week 17 of Kyle playing some or even a good bit over Washington's final two regular season games. Remember the talk of Kyle playing more, of Kyle playing over Taylor Heineke late this past regular season? Yeah, uh, it turns out that Ron Rivera had zero interest in playing Kyle Allen over Taylor Heineke. One of the great mysteries remains what happened to Kyle In the eyes of Ron, I don't think that we've ever gotten a truly clear picture of what went down here. Ron, in March 2020, thought enough of Kyle Allen to trade a 2025th round pick to the Carolina Panthers for Kyle. Ron, in late December 2020, thought enough of Kyle Allen to say that Kyle could have had Washington in contention to win the NFC East, just as Alex Smith at the time had Washington in contention to win the NFC East. But Kyle Allen this past June was notably not included by Ron Rivera in public comments regarding a looming quarterback competition for Washington training camp. The extent to which that quarterback competition actually was legit can be debated, but Ron kept talking up this quarterback competition for training camp, but Ron kept excluding Kyle Allen from that conversation. Ron was talking about two guys, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke. Uh, Then Kyle aggravated his surgically repaired left ankle on July 31st at Washington's final 2021 training camp practice in Richmond, and Kyle missed a lot of time. He did not fully practice again until August 15th. Remember, Kyle in November 2020 underwent surgery on his left ankle off getting injured in Washington's 23-20 loss at the New York Giants in week nine of the 2020 regular season. And then Kyle barely played in the 2021 regular season. The commanders to me very much should have three quarterbacks on the team's 53-man roster for the 2022 season. So as things stand right now, those three quarterbacks likely will be Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, and a rookie. And I would like for a rookie to be on the roster. Now, I don't want the commanders to force the selection of a quarterback in the 2022 NFL draft, but if the commanders like one or more of the quarterbacks 
in the 2022 draft. And I do want the commanders taking a quarterback in the 2022 draft. And the fact that the commanders are trading for Carson Wentz in no way should preclude the commanders from taking a quarterback in the first round of the 2022 draft if the commanders believe a quarterback is worthy of being taken by them in the first round. But remember, this was Ron Rivera speaking to CBS Sports HQ at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis on March 2nd. I think this team needs a veteran. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not going to preclude us from looking at, at, at a rookie. It's not going to preclude us from saying that, you know, if we ended up with a veteran and also we draft a rookie, that this rookie's not going to get an opportunity. You've got to mm-hmm. be honest about that. Yeah, how about that? I mean, that right there was music to my ears. Get a veteran quarterback. Okay, fine. But that should not disqualify the commanders from taking a quarterback who they like in the 2022 draft. I very much believe that. Uh, If Carson Wentz works out, great. But the commanders need options and upside at quarterback until one truly hits. So Landon Collins and Kyle Allen are on their ways out. And we'll see who will be resigned and who will be added to the commanders as free agency and the trading period officially get going next week. Up next, our special guest, Bob Kravitz, senior writer for The Athletic, longtime Indianapolis sports personality on the truth about what went wrong for Carson Wentz with the Colts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so Carson Wentz is coming to the Commanders, and it turns out that they are getting even more than we initially knew. Uh, So we, of course, had the major news on Wednesday afternoon. The Commanders are trading for Indianapolis Colts quarterback Carson Wentz. We thought that the Commanders were getting Wentz and a second-round pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, pick number 47 overall, and the Commanders are getting Wentz and that second-round pick. However, we on Thursday morning had multiple reports that the Commanders also are getting a seventh-round pick in the 2022 Draft. So, yeah, 
<laughs> there is that. Uh, the Colts still are getting three draft picks from the Commanders, a second round pick in the 2022 draft pick, number 42 overall. So the Commanders and Colts are swapping 2022 second round picks. The Colts also are getting a third round pick in the 2022 draft and a third round pick in the 2023 draft, though that pick could become a second round pick in the 2023 draft. The concerns with Carson Wentz are many. We talked about those concerns on Thursday's installment of the Al Galdi podcast, episode 268. You know, that the Colts are trading Wentz despite having traded a 2022 first-round pick and a 2021 third-round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles for Wentz just last offseason, says a lot. So what truly went wrong for Wentz with the Colts? I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast, Bob Kravitz, a senior writer for The Athletic. Uh, Bob is a longtime columnist and feature writer. He is an institution in the Indianapolis sports market. You can follow Bob on Twitter, at B Kravitz. Uh, Bob, very nice to talk to you. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming on. So the prevailing sentiment in the Washington, D.C. area regarding the Carson Wentz trade has been negative. Uh, what's the majority reaction in Indy regarding the trade, if there is a majority reaction? Yeah, I think for the most part, people are pretty thrilled uh, that the Colts are moving on with the understanding that we don't know who's going to replace them. Um, you know, it says something about their feelings toward Carson Wentz that, A, they're making this deal um, without a real clear uh, plan B. And the fact that, you know, he he got a chance to work with Frank Reich, who is who is his guy. He's his quarterback whisperer, and it didn't work out. And, you know, if, if I'm Washington, I'm like, wait a minute. It didn't work out with Frank Reich who, you know, was his coach during some of his best years. I, I think that the problems, you know, you, you can make the argument that Carson deserved another year here in Indianapolis if you look just at the statistics. The numbers are not that bad. The fact is that after a slow start, he had, I don't know, seven, eight, maybe nine pretty decent games when the Colts went on a roll. Um, and then, you know, obviously stunk out the joint in the last two weeks. But it's about the intangibles. It's about his presence in the locker room. And it's not that he's a bad guy. He's just the wrong guy. And the Colts felt like he lacked leadership. Um, he didn't have the right personality for this for this locker room. Um, and they, they just felt like they couldn't move forward with him. And, you know, when you consider how much they gave up, to get him, um, that that's really a reflection on Carson that they felt like they wouldn't were not going to double down on a mistake they had made one year earlier. You just hit on the many uh, red flags with Carson Wentz. That's why so many Commanders fans have concerns with this trade, specific to Wentz's lack of leadership. What more can you tell us about that lack of leadership? Are there concrete examples of that? One of the things that uh, my, my colleague, Zach Kiefer, he wrote a really good piece uh, in The Athletic, I guess it was yesterday, you know, that he didn't really handle hard coaching very well. Uh, just insecurity um, that, um, you know, he he just didn't have that presence in the locker room. Like, like Philip Rivers came in here the year before, you know, after a lifetime in San Diego and Los Angeles and took over that locker room. I mean, he was a leader. You know, he didn't have much left in the tank, but he led. Um, 
I never got that sense with Carson. You know, I mean, people are looking at it from the outside, and I understand, you know, you're like, well, he didn't get vaccinated. Well, most of the Colts top guys didn't get vaccinated. Well, he didn't play well in the last two weeks. Well, the Colts top to bottom played like garbage the last two weeks of the season. So it goes beyond that. It's a lot of it is stuff that only coaches and teammates see those intangible things that you need from a quarterback that the Colts believed were, were lacking with Carson Wentz and they didn't feel like there was any way out of this mess. They didn't feel like he had the goods to suddenly come back and be uh, a different type of person. So I, I think, um, you know, again, you look out from the outside, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions, not a terrible QBR. Um, you know, the guy's got massive talent and maybe the light will come on for him somewhere. You know, it's a risk, but maybe the light will come on for him somewhere at some point. But, you know, if you look at those last few games, man, he, he couldn't make the layups. You know, he had he consistently had guys wide open in the flat with 20 yards of, of, of green in front of him. And he consistently tried to throw it into double coverage. And, and it just makes you wonder how how he sees the game, how he processes the game. Um, not Not great. Not real great. So I'll be curious to see how he does. If he suddenly find, finds that second wind, uh, good for him. Um, but it just wasn't going to work out in Indianapolis. And let's be honest, the owner here in Indy was so angry. And, you know, once they came out right after the season and said they were not committed to Carson Wentz, the die was cast. You can't bring back a guy who you've publicly said, we don't know. Yeah, and one of the things that really sticks with me is that press conference that Colts general manager Chris Ballard did on March 1st at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Uh, Ballard was completely noncommittal regarding the Colts keeping Wentz. Ballard talked about Wentz needing to get better at handling criticism, said that criticism of Wentz had been fair, and said that Wentz needed to grow from all of this. It's not often that you hear a GM talk about a player like that. What did you make of those comments from Ballard? Well, I think at that point they knew that they were going to move. They, they knew really from the end of the season, even before that, that they, they were going to move him as soon as they could. So I guess they felt like I, what, what didn't make sense to me was that he said all those things and it, it kind of... Uh, softens the market a little bit it would seem to me you know if you're coming out and saying the guy doesn't handle criticism and he's not this and he's not that well who the hell is going to give you any kind of um uh you know give you any kind of players or draft picks uh you know for Carson Wentz so I didn't quite understand that but Chris has a hard time being dishonest you know he just kind of talks um he's a super smart guy but He's going he's gonna to tell you the truth, whether you like it or not. And I'll be honest with you, I was shocked, shocked at what the Colts got out of the uh, commanders um, for Carson Wentz. I didn't think they would get nearly that kind of haul. Plus, Washington is paying his whole salary, which is pretty sweet. 
Uh, yeah, that is pretty sweet for the Colts. Uh, so that brings us to another aspect of all of this, what the commanders are giving up to get Carson Wentz. There has been a fear here in the D.C. area that the commanders may have been bidding against themselves. Would the Colts have just released Wentz if the commanders weren't trading for Wentz? Oh, no, no question about it. Wow. No question about it. So now, were there other teams out there? You'd have to ask Adam Schefter or, you know, Peter King. Or, I don't know um, if other teams were in the Carson Wentz sweepstakes. My guess is that Washington, if they weren't bidding against themselves, they were bidding against a very small number of teams. Because let's face it, Carson Wentz is not a hot commodity. Now, I think in Washington, you guys will do what we did in Indianapolis. You'll talk yourselves into it. And just the way I think we will here in Indy talk ourselves into whoever it is, Jimmy Garoppolo, Mitchell Trubisky, God only knows who's going to come in here next. We'll talk ourselves into it. Well, I'll tell you, we were talking ourselves into it. And the people in Philly are like, you guys have no idea. <laughs> yeah, people in Philly are laughing their butts off at, at at the people in Indy. Like, hey, we it's not like you weren't warned. And that's the truth. We were warned, and we didn't listen, and Carson was Carson. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I hope he seems like a decent enough guy. I just I don't know if he's got it upstairs to – to be a leader and to be uh, the face of a franchise. We're talking Carson Wentz with Bob Kravitz, senior writer for The Athletic. So the Colts' power structure is Jim Irsay as owner and CEO, Chris Ballard as GM, and Frank Reich as head coach. It certainly seems that Irsay and Ballard were on board with trading Carson Wentz. Was Reich on board with trading Wentz? That we don't know. Um, You know, I've talked to Frank and... That's not something he's willing to uh, he's willing to address. I've got to think that he probably feels like he could run it back with Carson and get him right because that's how that's how he is. He he always feels like he can save save quarterbacks. He feels like nobody is beyond beyond help. Uh, I think he probably would have been fine with one more year, especially because he put his he he he, he put himself out there for Carson Wentz. He had to talk Chris Ballard and Jim Ursay into Carson Wentz. And when it didn't work, here was, you know, here was uh, Reich at the end of the season literally apologizing to, uh, to Jim Ursay for, um, you know, making the case for Carson Wentz. And so it, it's going to change the dynamic of the front office, is my guess. I know that Frank Reich is the Carson Wentz whisperer, and Reich was the Eagles offensive coordinator for Wentz's first two NFL seasons, the 2016 and 2017 seasons, and Wentz blossomed with Reich as Eagles offensive coordinator. But was the Colts offense this past season well-suited to Wentz? Is there any argument to be made that the offense, for whatever reason, didn't maximize Wentz? Well, look, he had a lot of advantages. He had a really good offensive line. And he had a terrific running game. The one area where he was, uh, where where the team was lacking, was in, in playmakers on the outside. Uh, there are two tight ends. Neither one of them, one just retired, Jack Doyle. Um, they didn't have a playmaker, a tight end, and aside from Michael Pittman, they had nothing at wide receiver. I mean, nothing. 
you know, their number two or three guy had 300 and something yards. It was pathetic. So, again, you could say, well, we've got Terry McLaurin and we got this guy and that guy. And, you know, uh, that'll make all the difference. Look, really good quarterbacks make average players look really good. Um, we saw it here in Indy with Peyton and with Luck. Um, we saw it with, you know, with Brady. I mean, how many number true number ones besides Randy Moss? Uh, did Tom Brady have over the years? You know, he's thrown to Dion Branch for God's sake. Um, so, you know, I, I, you you can always make the argument. Well, if you give him a better uh, group of uh, wide receivers, they'll be more effective. You know, probably so to a small degree, but I, I think it goes well, well, well beyond that. We've covered a lot of the negatives with Carson Wentz. What did you see go well for him with the Colts? this past season well well he learned how to protect the ball you know he threw a couple of crazy interceptions but in the end uh, 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions um are not bad his uh, uh he, he was far more uh, accurate than he's been in the past i think he was 62 63 percent uh, not great but still better than he's been i mean he definitely took a step from uh 2020 when he was god awful in Philadelphia and got benched for Jalen Hurts, so he's trending. He's trending in the right direction, as they like to say. But uh, you know whether you think he's going to be your guy moving forward as a franchise. That's that's a that's a, a stretch for me. Is Carson Wentz still mobile? Does he still have that uh, Carson Wentz escapability? Yes, he, he can. He still uses his legs pretty well. Uh, he had a couple of games where he had some. Uh, jacked up ankles where he was kind of a statue back there. But yeah, he, he'll, he'll take some chances. He'll extend plays sometimes to his, to his demerit. And sometimes it's a good thing. Um, but you know, Washington will now get the full Carson Wentz experience. <laughs> you know, you just feel like every time he goes back to pass, you feel like somebody's going to have a coronary. Somebody's going to have a coronary because he just doesn't ever seem to be fully in control of things and it'll be interesting i you know i, I can't wait till uh till uh, washington plays uh, indianapolis uh I, i'm guessing there will not be a uh uh one of those one of those videos <laughs> thanks for the memories cars yeah yeah, the tribute like video. Ben Simmons, like Ben Simmons going back to uh, Philly. <laughs> uh, one more for you. How much of the Colts trading Carson Wentz after just one season with them is about how that Colts 2021 season ended, is about the Colts losing their last two games, 23-20 at home to the Las Vegas Raiders and 26-11 at the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars, and those losses costing the Colts a playoff spot? It would be a harder sell. Uh, to get rid of them. Um, you know, they, they will tell you that it wasn't about the last two weeks, but I've got to think that, you know, you go back to the Baltimore game, if Rodrigo Blankenship doesn't miss a game-winning field goal in regulation. Uh, if, if they somehow, you know, beat the Jaguars, um, you know, they, then they're in the playoffs and they've got a chance. I think it would have been a tough sell to move on from Carson Wentz. So, you know, I'm not saying they were happy they lost, you know, so they could get rid of them, but it would have been a more difficult sell to the to the population. I think people here are still so 
outraged at the way they performed in Jacksonville that uh, I, I think they wanted their uh, they wanted their pound of flesh. Understood, Bob. It was nice talking with you. Uh, good to get your perspective and insight, and thank you for your time. Okay, thank you, man. All right, let's talk college basketball. Conference tournament week continued on Thursday. Georgetown already was done. Maryland now is done. Virginia now is done. But Virginia Tech is alive. And the Hokies may well be earning themselves a spot in the NCAA tournament. Uh, We shall see more on the Hokies in moments. But let's start with the Terrapins. Number 10-seeded Maryland lost to number 7-seeded Michigan State 76-72 in the second round of the Big Ten tournament at Gainbridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis on Thursday evening. We know that the Terps aren't going to the NCAA tournament. Uh, We learned that a long time ago. Now, the Terps maybe will get an invite to some other postseason tournament. Not sure that they would play in it, but the Terps now are 15-17 and overall this season. The Terps have not finished a season with an overall losing record since going 12-16 and overall in the 1992-1993 season. So if, in fact, the Terps season is over, the Terps have done something that they had not done in nearly 30 years. And that something is not a good something. Uh, This has not been in any way a good season for Maryland basketball, as you all know. Uh, The Terps on Thursday evening did rally against Michigan State, and I do want to give Maryland credit for that. You know, the Terps didn't quit, and it's not only that, the Terps fought, and that is a credit to the players, and that's also a credit to interim head coach Danny Manning. Now, Manning almost certainly isn't getting the full-time Maryland head coaching job, but, you know, Danny Manning got thrown into a very difficult position with Mark Turgeon out of nowhere leaving as Maryland head coach this past December 3rd, two days before the Terps' Big Ten opener. And, I mean, things have not been pretty, okay, with Danny Manning as interim head coach, but the team has been better lately, and the team never quit. You know, you will see teams quit. You did not see this Maryland team quit, and you saw this Maryland team fight on Thursday evening. Maryland's season essentially ended months ago, and yet Danny Manning had these guys battling in the second round of the Big Ten tournament. Uh, The Terps in the second half trailed by as many as 20 points at 57-37, but the Terps twice cut their deficit to two at 70-68 and 74-72, though the Terps were unable to come through. Uh, Terps got torched by Michigan State in the first half. Terps allowed Michigan State in the first half to score 43 points. Terps allowed Michigan State in the first half to go 7 of 11 on threes. Terps allowed Michigan State in the first half to go 9 of 17 on twos. Uh, The Terps shooting was not good. Terps went just 9 of 29 on threes, just 16 of 35 on twos, and just 13 of 18 on free throws. Uh, If, in fact, Maryland season is over, Fats Russell went out like a warrior. Uh, This was an impressive performance for Fats Russell, who ultimately proved himself to be Maryland's best player this season. The Rhode Island transfer, Maryland's point guard, uh, he on Thursday evening went 3 of 7 on threes, 3 of 8 on twos, 5 of 7 on free throws. He finished with 20 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists versus 1 turnover, 2 blocks, and 2 steals in 36 minutes as a starter. Eric Ayala went just 2 of 10 on threes, 3 of 7 on twos. He finished with 17 points, 6 rebounds, and 3 assists versus two turnovers in 38 minutes 
as a starter in what may well have been his final game with the Terps. Dante Scott, two of six on threes, three of five on twos. He finished with 15 points, six rebounds, including three offensive boards and three assists versus no turnovers in 34 minutes as a starter. Hakeem Hart went just one of five on threes. He did go four of five on twos. He finished with 11 points, four rebounds, and two steals in 35 minutes as a starter. And a really rough game for the Maryland big men, talking about Kudus Wahab and Julian Reese. I tell you, it's a real shame the extent to which Kudus Wahab coming from Georgetown to Maryland did not work out. Uh, so many Terps fans like myself were pumped when the news broke that Kudus Wahab was transferring from Georgetown to Maryland, and this just did not work out. Kudus Wahab was a disappointment for the Terps this season, and man, did things not go well for him on Thursday evening against Michigan State. The 6'11 big man played for just 11 minutes as a starter. He went scoreless. He had just two rebounds. He missed his only field goal attempt. He went 0-2 on free throws. And then Julian Reese, 6'9 freshman. I think that he has a bright future, but uh, Thursday evening was not bright for Julian. Uh, 14 minutes off the bench. He went scoreless. 0-4 from the field. All twos. He had three rebounds and three fouls. And now the focus even more becomes on who will be Maryland's next head coach. Meantime, Virginia. And you talk about ugly. Uh, The number six-seeded Cavaliers lost to number three-seeded North Carolina 63-43 in the quarters of the ACC tournament at Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York on Thursday night. Now, the Cavs won their second round game But remember, won that second round game in rather ugly fashion, okay? That Virginia victory on Wednesday night was far from a work of art. It was, though, a victory. 51-50 over number 11 seeded Louisville. Well, the Virginia offense was even worse on Thursday night, and uh, there was no winning this game despite being ugly offensively uh, for the Cavs. Uh, So this loss basically seals the Cavs not making the NCAA tournament for the first time in a season in which there was an NCAA tournament since the 2012-2013 season. Yeah, we're not used to this. Virginia under head coach Tony Bennett not making the NCAA tournament, but barring something shocking here, Virginia will not be making the NCAA tournament uh, this selection Sunday. Cavs shooting on Thursday night was horrible, okay? Uh, You really can't overstate that. The Cavs in the first half scored just 13 points. Yeah, 13 points for Virginia in the first half on Thursday night. Lowest scoring first half for a team in an ACC tournament game in the shot clock era, okay? The shot clock era for college basketball started with the 1985-1986 season. 13 points for UVA in the first half on Thursday night. The Cavs for the game went just 3 of 11 on threes. The Cavs for the game went just 15 of 41 on twos. And the Cavs for the game went just 4 of 9 on free throws. Here was UVA head coach Tony Bennett during his postgame press conference on Thursday night on what the heck happened to the Cavs offensively in the first half. It's certainly a disappointing loss, and um, credit to Carolina how hard they played and how hard they guarded us. And then Manic's first half was was special. Um, you know, when we did get some decent quality looks, um, 
and we didn't hit them, you know, that kind of gets into you. And then it puts, we've talked about this, a lot of pressure on our defense. And, you know, we didn't um, have an answer for stretches. And, you know, the, the one thing I was hoping we maybe could get some more offensive rebounds because we had, you know, a lot of misses and we couldn't get any extra points that way. But, you know, you just felt a little bit of a snowball effect where there were some turnovers and how quick Carolina got down the floor. And then just it kind of expanded quick. Yeah, you heard Tony Bennett mention offensive rebounds. Offensive rebounding, major problem for the Wahoos on Thursday night. They had just two offensive rebounds to North Carolina's 11 and thus had just two second chance points to Carolina's 14. I mean, Virginia was never like a dynamic offensive team this season, okay? Offense has been a problem for Virginia, but geez, Virginia's offense on Thursday night was a special kind of bad. Uh, the Who's defense was good. The Who's held North Carolina to just 6 of 23 on threes, held North Carolina to just 19 of 42 on twos. But when you as a team score just 13 points in a first half, uh, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, the East Carolina transfer, Jaden Gardner, 0 of 2 on threes, but 8 of 14 on twos. The rest of the Cavs went just 7 of 27 on twos. Uh, Gardner was the only Hoos player who scored in double figures. He finished with 17 points in 29 minutes, 25 seconds as a starter. Uh, three other Virginia starters, 5'10 senior point guard Kihei Clark, Reese Beekman, and the Indiana transfer, Armand Franklin. They went a combined 5 of 24 from the field. You know, this Virginia team this season was not slash is not a terrible team, but uh, this was not slash is not a great Virginia team. The ACC is down this season. A lot of the advanced metrics for Virginia this season aren't good. And so UVA now would seem to be looking at playing in the NIT. However, there is very much hope for Virginia Tech making the NCAA tournament. The Hokies have a pulse, my friends, regarding making the NCAA tournament. Number seven seeded Virginia Tech beat number two seeded Notre Dame 87-80 in the quarters of the ACC tournament on Thursday night. The Hokies advanced to the semis of an ACC tournament for the first time since 2011. We are in the year 2022. The Hokies are in a spot that they had not been in since 2011. Hokies now the number 27 team in the country for KenPalm.com. Hokies never trailed in this game on Thursday night. Uh, they began the game on a 28 run. The Hokies led for the entire second half. Now, Tech's defense in the game was mixed, but Tech's offense in the game was very good. Tech scored 87 points. Tech went 7-19 on threes. Tech went a scorching 24 of 35 on twos, and Tech committed just six turnovers the entire game. Kevin Aluma, 1-2 on threes, 7-10 on twos. He finished with 20 points in 30 minutes as a starter. Storm Murphy, 2-4 on threes, 3-3 three three on twos. He finished with 16 points in 25 minutes as a starter. Justin Mutz struggled in terms of shooting, but he did a bunch of other things. He is the Hokies' Mr. Everything. Uh, Justin Mutz, 0 of 1 on threes, just 4 of 9 on twos, just 3 of 7 on free throws, but he finished with 11 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists versus no turnovers, 3 blocks, and 3 steals in 34 minutes as a starter. And Tech got nice production from Sean Padula off the bench. Padula in just 15 minutes off the bench, Scored 13 points. He went 2 of 5 on threes, 1 of 1 on twos, and 5 of 6 on free throws. This was actually a pretty convincing win for Tech over Notre Dame on Thursday night. Remember, the Hokies needed a borderline miracle shot to advance 
to the quarters of the ACC tournament. Tech beat number 10 seeded Clemson 76-75 in overtime in the second round of the ACC tournament on Wednesday night. Darius Maddox connecting on a game-winning contested pull-up left wing three as time expired in overtime. Uh, No such drama was required for the Hokies on Thursday night. Next up for number seven seeded Virginia Tech, number three seeded North Carolina at Barclays Center in Brooklyn in the semis of the ACC tournament Friday night around 9.30. Also, number three-seeded VCU will face number six-seeded Richmond at Capital One Arena in the quarters of the A-10 tournament Friday night around 8.30. And number one-seeded Norfolk State will face number four-seeded Morgan State at the Norfolk Scope in the semis of the MEAC tournament Friday evening at 6. Selection Sunday is this Sunday, and come Monday show, we will hopefully have multiple teams from the mid-Atlantic region in the NCAA tournament. We know that a bunch of teams in the immediate Washington, D.C. area will not be making the NCAA tournament, but uh, the state of Virginia could be doing pretty well when it comes to teams making the NCAA tournament. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 270. will properly prepare you like no other show for Commander's Free Agency. The NFL's legal tampering period will begin this Monday at noon Eastern. And so I, on Monday show, will discuss whatever comes up of note with the commanders over Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And we'll get you ready for what could be coming with the commanders next week, perhaps beginning on Monday. Uh, Also on Monday show, we will have the 2022 NCAA tournament all set selection Sunday is this Sunday. We'll see just how many teams from the mid-Atlantic region made the NCAA tournament. Virginia Tech is rising with it having advanced to the semis of the ACC tournament. We have VCU in the quarters of the A-10 tournament. Norfolk State is the favorite to win the MEAC tournament and Longwood already has won the Big South tournament. Uh, I, on Monday show, we'll talk Capitals and Wizards as they remain out west. Uh, the Caps in western Canada, the Wiz in the western part of this country, but the Caps will be at the Vancouver Canucks Friday night at 10. The Wizards will be at the Los Angeles Lakers Friday night at 10.30 and at the Portland Trailblazers Saturday night at 10. And we'll see if we have any news with the Nationals and Orioles as the MLB lockout finally is over. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. I think this team needs a veteran. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not going to preclude us from looking at, at, at a rookie. It's not going to preclude us from saying that, you know, if we ended up with a veteran and all of a sudden we draft a rookie, that this rookie's not going to get an opportunity. you got to mm-hmm. be honest about that. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. 
Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 